Hello one, hello all. I am Ray Harkins. You're listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Thank you for downloading this in this time of isolation. I know we all could use some company in some capacity. I know myself, I am uh, just craving that uh, communication that you get with uh, with people, you know, in, in real life, over over the internet, however it may be, as long as you're staying connected. So we're here talking about independent music, as you well know, if you are a regular listener to the show. Welcome. If you are a new listener to the show, welcome. We don't care where you're coming from. I mean, I do care if you've been listening to the show for like 10 years, which uh, some of you have, which is crazy. Anytime I get emails from people being like, hey, I I started listening to you about five years ago. It's just like, wow, that warms my soul and I really appreciate it. But then I also love getting emails from people who just tripped across the show, which I love that as well. So welcome, everybody. The guest this week is Jesse Corman from The Number 12 Looks Like You. They are a great tech metal, art metal, whatever you want to call them. They are a very good band, uh, recently reunited. And uh, Jesse, I actually, I thought I knew from one particular instance, but he blows my mind within the first five minutes of our conversation where he's like, no, 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 that's not where we first met. I'm going to take you, you know, even further back. And uh, yeah, it was a really, really fun revelation for me. And I, I was able to kind of, you know, go take a trip down memory lane to the show where we met. And uh, yeah, Jesse is just a really interesting character. Uh, he is a director. He is a photographer. He is a man of many, many talents and has uh, risen from, you know, some pretty, pretty tough circumstances when he was a kid. So uh, yeah, we will get much, much more in depth to that. But you can email the show as always. 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I love to get feedback from you, whether that's guest ideas, whether that's just simply saying hi, whatever the case may be, I love hearing from people, especially in this time. I'm pretty punishing when it comes to my emails, so if you email, I can guarantee you that you will get a response. Uh, also, I get questions occasionally, like, how can I support the show? You know, like, can I can I donate? Can I, um, you know, what, 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 do I, what do I do? The simplest way, like, just I'll, I'll, I'll list this out. For one, you can review the show on any podcast catcher, whether it's Apple Podcast, Spotify. Actually, Spotify doesn't do a rating system, so take that one back. But anywhere you can rate the podcast, I would very much appreciate that. But ultimately, word of mouth is what gets this show around. Share the show widely. Share it on social media. Tag the guests if you enjoy that particular conversation. And you can do it on Instagram, Facebook, whatever platform you decide we're all on those you know at 100 words podcast i'm fairly certain that's uh, universal across twitter facebook and instagram but ultimately just share the show with your friends that's the best thing that you can do for this show um and like i said email the show i'd love to hear from you so that's a simple thing i i hope you're doing well i am doing everything i can to stay positive and just kind of you know be thankful about the simple things like uh, i'm healthy and my family is healthy and we're all staying inside, doing the social distancing, everything you need to do uh, in order to flatten the curve and make sure everybody is healthy. It's uh, sometimes get depre- gets depressing when you you know poke your head out and you start to observe all the the political ramifications of the way that our country versus other countries have responded to this crisis. And you know that is something that uh, I actively participate in, but at the same time, I have to shut that portion of my brain off as well after a bit because uh, it just gets maddening and something that I'm like, you know what, I can't do anything about this right now. What I can do and can control is, you know, these 10 things or whatever. And mostly your mental well-being right now in this case, and obviously your health are of utmost importance. So don't get bogged down by the day-to-day minutia. Be aware, be active and participate in that. 
but don't let it weigh you down in ways that you can't, uh, I guess, see the forest from the trees. So that's just my, my piece of advice, something that I've been holding on to and I, I share when anybody asks me. So anyways, uh, Jesse is a great guest and we're just going to dive right into it. So here's Jesse and I will talk to you, of course, after the episode is over. I cannot recall exactly, obviously, where we sort of first met, but, you know, clearly it was with the band. And I, I, if my memory serves me right, I think it was because, you know, you and I started to talk because I wanted to work with number 12 looks like you at Century Media. Like I was like, it's like either signing the band or something along those lines. W- weren't you with like Abacus or something like yeah. that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, which was okay. the division of Century Media. Yeah. 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 Uh, are we like, so I'm going to basically, <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind even more. It was it was actually even further back than that when we actually first connected. Oh, wait. Um, oh, my gosh. I think I know where you're going to go. <laughs> but yes, tell me. Tell me. Okay. So I don't know if you remember, but it was um, it was some sort of Jersey show. Yep. Um, it was I don't remember who I, I, it was. I'm almost positive. Don't quote me on it. I'm almost positive. It was you guys taken and this day forward, yep. possibly in like some fucking like basement. Oh, and I remember that yep. was the first time we chatted. And that was, dude, that was, that was before number 12, man. That no. was like, <laughs> dude, you like the moment that you started to say that all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. So yes, it, it was a girl named Alyssa. It was her. Basement. Yes. Oh my God. Alyssa's basement. Yes. <laughs> it oh was, my God. And it was, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Us, uh, folly played and also folly. I, yes. And I think good, clean, fun played as well. Good, um, clean, fun. Yep. yep. But yes. I rem- <laughs> I remember. Yes. That's totally right. I remember you because I just, uh, I, I, you were just obviously cool and hanging out at the show and it was, was like chilling. Yeah. I just, was just, just I was doing just your thing. I, I I can't say for sure if it was this day forward playing or not, but I just remember, um, I do remember you, that was the first time I met you and first time I heard of you. So that was like, I've re- there had to have been a reason why I came to the show and discovered you there. I, I, maybe it was for Folly, maybe it was for, but it could have also just been supporting Alyssa, uh, 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 was it Alyssa, Alyssa, Elise, yeah. Alyssa? Yeah, I can't oh, remember exactly. I want to say it was like Alyssa or Alyssa, regardless. I was just like, so like New Jersey hardcore support in the local scene, man. Like yep. who fucking cares who's playing? Like I'm here to support. So yeah, dude, no, that, that's that, so yeah. funny. And I remember how weird that was just because it was like, you know, I mean, uh, she was like, I don't know, 14, 15. And like her parents were allowing her to do shows in the basement. And it just felt yep. so like, wow, okay, this is what happens out here on the East Coast. That's what happens out here on the East Coast. And then people like me, who sort of hear it through a friend of a friend of a friend are just like, oh, cool. We got some out of town bands coming through. Cool. Yeah. We just got to go support whoever, who the, who the <laughs> fuck cares playing. Let's just go support. Like that was the mentality, man. It was like, yeah. it's just, doesn't. it's just, it's crazy how like it was such a different lifetime. Yeah. Oh dude, for sure. And, but the, it's weird because, you know, I'm sure you experienced this where it's like that, you know, uh, mentality clearly never leaves you. Like no, no. matter what yeah. you are doing, you're always, it's that uh, idea, especially people that have the same sort of, uh, you know, fabric of what we came from. Yeah. You're always going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to support that person, like, no matter what. It's true. And, and it really did 
translate into so many different aspects of my life as well with that. I mean, I know it sounds silly in a way because of the fact that like we, you know, go, coming from like, you know, straight edge hardcore kid uh, from Jersey, but then like how, how important that really did carry over into the different like career choices that I've chosen of just like still, you know, sticking to that, like, Hey, like, you know, it's a local person. Like, you know, we should, a local band, a local promoter, we should like, we should go and promote it and still buy some stuff and get to know everyone. It's just, I feel it's such a lost, um, art. It's such a lost, um, sense of support. It's really strange, man. It's really weird. Yeah, for sure. No, (laughs) I definitely, (laughs) no, no, I, I I agree. It definitely, it, it is there, there is something that, um, you know, not like trying to put too much on the rose colored glasses, nostalgia piece. Yeah. It's like, you know, I think throughout the nineties and basically up until, um, you know, whatever you call it, the, you know, 2010s or whatever, like, uh, the, the idea of, uh, you know, being local where it's just like, okay, there's local bands, there's local scenes. And like this, you know, local scene is completely different than this other one, but you know, they still yeah. coexist or whatever. Um, yeah. And now bands can kind of obviously live anywhere and not have yeah. like you can't tell where they're from immediately. No, no. And, and if it is a local scene, there's only such small pockets uh, throughout the country that still sort of do that. Like in the to be honest, I see it a lot more in the Midwest um, because they're just in in our you know major markets of New York and L.A. It's. I don't know. It's just there's it's so saturated now. So it's like trying to if you're trying to support someone local, you're going to go broke by the end of the week because it's like every there's like there's so many there's so many different things going on. It's just, you know, everyone we've all grown up. But like, yeah, there it is very interesting to sort of like see that that old time, you know, that that old way of um, growing up in that scene to where it was just, you know, it was much more fewer and far between. Uh, Now it's just there's there really is. There's so much to take in. There's so much online content to take in that some people might not even have that urge to go see it live because they're like, ah, I kind of got everything that I needed from that uh, YouTube video. Yeah. So that's cool. So uh, I feel like the the big thing of, of why people sort of come out, I mean, of course, this is just my own personal opinion, is um, is because they, the band is truly putting on something that no, nobody else is doing or to go and buy the merch. Like that's, that's basically, it's, it's such a merchandise driven thing where you can't really go and buy their stuff. Uh, obviously you can go buy them online, but like, it really is just like go and buying like as much stuff that they can buy in person. Like that is still something that you can't really like forget about. That is a very real thing. People still love to wear band shirts. People still love to do that. So that's, that's, that's still cool. But yeah, it's just different. That's all. Yeah, no, no, for sure. It, it, it evolves. And, you know, all you do is just kind of uh, observe the trends and be like, oh, that's different. And, you know, it's not better or worse, but it's just different. And that's ultimately because, yeah, you don't want to sound like the old guy, the porch, be it like things are so much better back <laughs> no. then. No, 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 no. I uh, but, but I know how people I know how that can come across, especially when I talk to my old hardcore friends. They they are very much in that same boat. Like, oh, man, like. Don't you remember those days of like going to, uh, you know, Alyssa's basement and man, there, it was like, there's nothing that, that there, there's nothing like that around anymore. And like kids these days, they just, they, they listen to DJ Skrillex and you know, it's just <laughs> that what is going on. Right. It's just like, yo dog, you're like younger than me. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, you sound so man. jaded. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, 
you know, and kind of tangentially related to obviously the first time that we met, but then, you know, when we reconnected and then I, you know, obviously, like you said, kind of put everything together. It's just like, Oh, Jesse, you know, number 12 and everything. (laughs) The, um, the thing that I was always impressed with, with your band was the fact that, um, like, even though you existed, you know, in a scene, so to speak, obviously the hardcore scene, like you guys were always super weird, like nothing, nothing ever really <laughs> made sense with you guys. It was like, OK, yeah, they're aggressive and metal, but then they also fit alongside, you know, bands like the Locust or whatever, that whole spaz core thing. Um, yeah. And I just don't, you know, obviously a lot of bands were kind of, you know, whatever, throwing everything into the kitchen sink and seeing what came out. Um and I, I just the, I guess the evolution of number 12 was always something that was really um, unique to me because it was like you guys were clearly just figuring it out as you kind of went along. Yeah, it's it is funny. I mean, that is the, the kitchen sink comment is something that we we brought up. We're just like, yeah, it's sort of just like whatever's whatever's left in there is we'll, we'll cover it like we'll do it. And that's sort of like how number 12 even started with that, because we all grew up in such different scenes, like between me and this straight edge hardcore slash screamo scene and then um then there was like you know our guitarist alex who's growing up listening to more jazz and and then if you listen to something heavy it was pantera we just all came from so many different avenues so then when number 12 had started and we and we did put on your rosy red glasses it really was a definition of like well we like that song from you know, say, uh, Pantera, we really like that song by say this day forward. We love that song by say like uh, incubus. We love that. song. like, we loved everything, anything and everything that had to do with, with music. We genuinely just loved it. And like, that was a problem or, or, or maybe not problem, but that was what eventually turned number 12 into what it was because it really created that sound. And to this day, it like still holds true. We don't, I think that if we all listen to the same thing, maybe we'd be doing something a bit more down the middle when maybe we'd be a bit more popular, but I don't think we, when we started this thing, we never really intended to really break out of Jersey, the Jersey basement scene. We were just like, let's just write really, crazy weird stuff and whatever comes to mind let's just do it there's no rules this is like the (coughs) there's there's so many rules in life but doing music is not one of them there's there is no rules especially if you have no uh ambition to get any bigger than a basement so that really started it all off and when people started listening to us we're like hold on you know what we're doing right like this is (laughs) you know you're not you're not mistaking us for like somebody else because we're doing something that you, you probably wouldn't want to listen to. And so it was very confusing for us to find all these people who, who listened to us. It was very, very confusing. Sure. <laughs> no, and I, <laughs> I, I, I totally understand. Cause yeah, like, especially, you know, at whatever age you are, as you're, you know, starting to spread your creative wings and usually you, you know, you come up with a list of bands, like you want to rip off, you know, and, and like, yeah, course, and, it, and everything that you're talking about is like, yeah, like that, that makes sense. But it's funny because usually, you know, bands kind of start to lean into their sound after, you know, whatever they've toured a little bit and put out some records sure. or whatever. Um, because then they feel like, okay, this is a more accurate representation of like who we are. Whereas right. you, you guys obviously didn't do that. I mean, you got better at your instruments, obviously, but like you just, <laughs> you know, you just continue to just be like, Hey, whatever, whatever's weird, man. Let's, let's just keep throwing it in there. That's right. It was, it we just, we learned the weirder parts to get them even a bit more weird. And we learned to sort of transition those parts 
into each other. That was the biggest challenge. It wasn't necessarily coming up with the parts. It was, it was trying to figure out. Yeah. It was trying to figure out how the fuck are we going to piece this fucking hodgepodge? It's like here's here is uh, fifty pieces of puzzle sets. I'm going to take one piece from each one, and you have to go and figure out how to make it somehow look like an actual picture. And that was the challenge with every song. And it's so funny. Cause like we still did for the, this new album, wild gods, we did the same thing. We're like, Hey guys, you know, we had some, we had some time off. I think we got some things figured out. We got into the studio. We're like, God damn it. It's still the same shit. How are we supposed to transition from this, <laughs> this, like it just doesn't change. But yeah, man, it's, it was, uh, I, for, for whatever reason, it was something that, that really like, I don't know. It really did click with with a lot of people. I mean, obviously, it, it, we loved what we were. We we still love what we're doing. But for for outside people, it was like people people got what we were trying to say in our heads. And it didn't seem as crazy. Sure, sure, totally. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll hit a little more of that in in, in a bit. But I wanted to kind of focus on you. Um, you know, knowing you know knowing you uh, you know a little bit. I don't know if you were born and raised in the East coast, like were you tried and true New Jersey, you know, born off yes. the turnpike guy? Oh yeah. I was, I'm off of 16 W on the turnpike. Okay. Uh, otherwise known as 153, 163 a on the New Jersey parkway. So yeah, I am Jersey, Jersey born, Jersey bred. I mean, uh, I was born in Newark, grew up in Jersey city. Um, I still live in Jersey. Um, I, I had times where I could have, probably moved to anywhere else in the world. But like, I just built such a foundation here and everywhere I've ever been in the world. It's just like, you know what? There's nothing really like Jersey. And as much as people want to trash it and say, Oh, gross, Jersey, dirty Jersey, or like, Oh my God, the turnpike smells like shit. Or like, Oh my God, you must watch Jersey Shore. You must be like that. And it's just every stereotype is pretty bad, but I it's it's home. I love it. It's my it's my favorite place to come. And it was uh, where I grew up here. Like this this scene would change. Like where I grew up, it genuinely shaped me into the careers that I've went into. The scenes that I grew up going to, being that close to Manhattan, um, going into the shows in the city at such an early age. It was so everything was such an important piece to to where I am in my life. Sure, sure. No, that's cool. Because, yeah, it does. When you first get to, uh, you know, tour and, you know, kind of go through, especially, you know, whatever, me being from California and not understanding, it's like, wait, you can't pump your own gas and you can't make left turns? Like, what the hell is wrong <laughs> with this state? That's, that's right. Yeah, you don't even dare. Don't even think about it because if you do, you're going to get smacked in the head. Totally. And it, <laughs> and I, I do love that sense of of pride where it's just like, you know, it's like New Jersey and Oregon are the only places you can't pump your own gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's our relation to Oregon. I remember getting to Oregon and I went to go pump my gas and they were like, no, 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 we do it here. What are you from? What are you from? From Jersey? I was like, I was like, no, I was like, oh my God, wait. Hold on, we there's two states that can pump our, pump our gas. This is this is amazing. This is it great. was it was it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, you felt it. You felt at home. It's so good. Um, and so, what was your I guess your family structure like? Like mom and dad in the house, brothers and sisters. What did it look like? Yeah, so it was uh, it was a bit of a tough upbringing to be honest. It was um, you know we grew up in uh, we grew up in Jersey City. It was quite the hood, um, and so. We had to, you know, my mom is, uh, she, she was born in the Philippines. She moved to America. That's where she met my father in Jersey city. But, you know, Jersey city 
at that time in the in the 70s and the 80s was was super rough. Uh, there's still parts that are incredibly rough. Um, so we had grown up in a pretty tough area, pretty tough neighborhood. Um, and uh, it was not until I had moved out of Jersey City when my mom remarried. When I was around 10 or 11, I moved to this uh, town called East Rutherford. Um, East Rutherford is probably known for their MetLife Stadium and where Bamboozle was. Whenever Bamboozle, if you remember, if you ever went to Bamboozle, oh, they yeah. would have it in, in front of the stadium. The Meadowlands, uh, Met right? La- that's right. Yep. That's exactly right. So I went from Jersey City to the Meadowlands, basically. Um, and then that's where I really started blossoming. But before that, it was... Um, it was pretty, it was, it was tough. It was a tough life. My, you know, my father had passed away at an early age from AIDS, from drugs. And then I, my mom had remarried and that marriage was, was really bad. And then she had remarried again. Uh, and she was popping out kids throughout the whole thing. So I've got amazing brothers and sisters. Um, but all of the things that had happened in my childhood were, were, the this the exact um stories that i wrote about in number 12 um so anything that like and i've and i've spoken about this many times before it's like i always wondered if i had grown up in a different life in a different situation what my lyrical content would be if it would be as aggressive as if it would be as story like um what i would even what I would even write about, to be honest, because there were so many things that had happened uh, that it was just album after album after album. I couldn't get I couldn't get enough of the ideas out because they were just experiences that I went through. Um, so, yeah. So that was like my that was my upbringing. What were uh, so were your uh, I mean, because, yeah, Jersey City is such a different beast now than obviously what it was yeah. back then. Um, oh my God. Yeah. I'm sure you don't even recognize it anymore. It, it's, I mean, it's basically the place where, um, if you can't afford to live in Manhattan, cause, cause who the hell do you know that can live in Manhattan? Right. You go to, you go to Jersey city and you can now kind of afford Jersey city, but by no means is it more, is it, is it like affordable at all? And it's crazy to think that that's the town, the city that I grew up going to where I was desperately trying to get out and fast forward to my, my like mid twenties and everyone's like, Oh man, I got this amazing apartment right in Jersey city. It's right by here. I'm like, Oh, gross. Like <laughs> why the fuck are you moving over there for that shit is nasty. And like, Oh no, man, there's like a really cool arts district and they've got this like craft beer place over here. And then this artisan cheese store. I'm like, what the fuck is happening over there? <laughs> it's like, I was so confused, but I looked, I, I, I started going back to Jersey. I'm like, it was pretty sweet down here. Like, yeah, this is nice. <laughs> they, got, they got good coffee here now. Yeah. yeah. They got, they got great coffee. <laughs> They've got oat milk everywhere. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I'm going to kind of guess with the, the sort of, you know, chaotic upbringing that you had what you know, were you kind of left a lot to your, uh, you know, own devices or were, you know, you kind of watching out for your siblings or, you know, how did you kind of, uh, navigate that? Like, I guess, where did you find your, um, you know, like your, your safe, your safe place, so to speak. <sighs> you know, it, when or I was, if, or even if you, ha- even if you had one, I mean, if you, yeah, felt- I, that's what I was going to say. I, I don't think in those Jersey city days, um, there really wasn't much of that at all. Um, you know, the, the, your, your sort of 
happy times were are or as when you're um you know playing hide and seek outside with the friends and but you're still sort of being cautious because it's just it's not great it's not the it's not a great neighborhood it's not gr- good people there um obviously the people that we were with and surrounded by on our block we knew very well but it was it was still you're always sort of like having your guard up with just like being mindful of things and honestly the 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 best sort of memories that i had in my jersey city life um was wa- was watching michael jackson music videos um oh, sure. that that was the the earliest memory i can ever remember um of of rem- of remembering music and just like knowing what music was cuz before that it was it was just memories of a child, uh, just, you know, toys and stuff like that. First memories I ever had of music was Michael Jackson. And that was, that, that was like my, that was like my safe place. Uh, that would, I would just disappear. I would like watch his videos over and over, but then everything around that was in all honesty, quite miserable. It was, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was hard because like you, you didn't, I didn't really want to be home. Um, I, it was, I wanted to be in school because I didn't want to be home. I'd rather want to go to school. And then there'd be times where, you know, the, the, the one stepfather would forget to take me to school. So I'd be stuck just sitting around waiting to go to school. And I hated being home. Um, it was, it was just, it was horrible. And then as I got older, my mom remarried and I, we moved to East Rutherford Um, I didn't have the best relationship with that one as well. Um, it was, it was, it was also tough. So from like 10 to 15 were another group of very just tough years, which were a lot more stories in the like later number 12 albums. Mm -hmm. Cause I went sort of sequential from like the earliest to the, to the most recent. And then at 15, yeah, I, at, at around, at around 14 years old, I went to my first show um, and I went, it was at Coney Island high in New York city on St. Mark's. I was, I just turned 14 and it was the first time I ever seen anything like that in my entire life. It was this band. I, you'll remember them 25 to life. Oh, of course, Rick, <laughs> Rick to life. Yep. That was my, that was my first show. Um, <laughs> and how, how did you even, uh, how did you even discover it? Like would um, someone just tell you like, Hey, so, so, so. So basically, I, at like uh, when I got into high school, I had a group of friends that we listened to ska and punk. So we listened to everything from Real Big Fish, Cash Twenty Two, um, Lesson Jake. Like that was all we had listened to. And then I had met somebody who uh, who was a couple grades above me in high school. His name was Chris, and he I don't really know what it was, but he we started chatting and hanging out and he was like a skater i was a sort of a skater and he's like hey do you um are you straight edge and i'm like what's that mean and then he was like oh you know and this is at 13 14 he's like oh it's um it's like you don't smoke you don't drink you don't do drugs and i was like oh yeah i've never done any of that which is true i've never i had at that point and to this day still i've never done anything i'm still straight edge um but i had never done anything like that so He's like, oh, that means you're straight edge. Hey, you should get into straight edge music. I'm like, what the hell? I just learned what straight edge is. What the hell is straight edge music? Totally. You're, like, you're like, slow your roll, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hold on, man. You're saying that this there's this lifestyle has a soundtrack? Like, what the fuck is this? And then he's like, oh, come on. You never heard of Earth Crisis or, or Strife? I'm like, what? I, I know less than Jake. Like, who, who are these guys? And he's like, oh, man. 
I got to take you to a show. Uh, and I remember he, so at that point was when we first connected, he started telling me about this. He started showing me like his straight edge t-shirts. He's like, here, man, you can borrow my straight edge shirt. I'm like, oh, cool. And I remember it was like this red shirt that said huge letters in in the front. Drugs are for losers. And I remember being like, whoa, that this is like cool to wear. Cause all my friends are getting fucked up right now. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I was like, are you sure that you're not like putting a fucking target on my back? He's like, no nah, man, like I'm hard, I'm hardcore straight edge and he's hardcore. I was like, all right, man, whatever the fuck you say He's like, let me take you to a show and let me show you this. Let me show you some, uh, let me sh- introduce you to some more people. He takes me to my first show in Coney Island high. And I remember taken to the we we took the train in it was like this whole epic journey into manhattan we got to st mark's and i was like oh my god i remember looking in the windows i'm like whoa like what is that that's i'm like looking at like black metal shirts and i'm like oh this is this is this is terrifying and then outside of the show of tiny tiny venue coney island it's all these guys covered in tattoos. And he's like, you see the X's on their hand? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's that's that means they're straight. Is it that that that's how you show it off? You gotta put X's on your hands. I'm like, I don't really get it, but like, um, okay, cool. Like, put X's on my hands. So we put X's on our hands and we go into the show. And I've when I tell you it that that was like one of the it's to this day one of the most pivotal moments of my life walking. I remember walking through that grimy ass hallway, just dingy lights, just posters and stickers everywhere, smelling like piss and getting into the venue and people watching people like spin kicking and moshing and like throwing their things, people falling on the ground, someone going up to them, picking them up. Then they're hugging. Then they're jump, getting on top of their shoulders to go sing along. I, I swear I, I was like, this is this is yeah. A what fucking, is this? Yeah. This is a fucking movie. Like what is happening right now? And and I just couldn't like I was just that was it for me. Like that changed my life right right then and there. Man, don't you miss live music? Don't you miss like buying merch on a regular basis? I know I do. And fortunately, I've got the solution for you. You know where I'm going with this? Rockabilia.com. It is the place where you can buy everything under the sun in regards to band merch and band merch adjacent things like this is actually great because you know we're all locked in the houses and we're we're doing the quarantining i've been craving puzzles and guess who has puzzles rockabilia.com use the code pc100words and you can get 15% off your order they have shirts hoodies puzzles like i mentioned they got they got scarves they have pop figures they have everything under the sun that you could possibly want fast shipping they are running a small business, so any support that you give to them during this time is greatly meaningful. So please use the code PC100Words. It gets you 15% off your order. You can get some boredom buster puzzles, or you can just get your whole closet outfitted, okay? Please do it, and Rockabilia thanks you, and I thank you as well, okay? Because your support of them supports the show as well. So thank you, Rockabilia, and be safe, everybody. Buy some puzzles. I mean, because, yeah, it's like when you're you know, regardless of your upbringing, you know, like once you start to kind of, um, you know, feel like you have some autonomy of your life and you start to make choices on your own and start to get influenced by your friends. It isn't until you, uh, you know, witness something, whether it's like, like a show, obviously, like what we have witnessed uh, or something yeah. else that just you're like, oh, oh, actually, this like this feels good. And this is like my identity. <laughs> and like you said, you know, just being able to kind of put those pieces together and understand like. 
oh, it, okay, this is what straight edge is. And like, this is, you know, then you just start to be like, oh yeah, I'm obsessed with it. That's all I can think about. Uh, exactly. And I think at such an early age, it was such, it was so impressionable on somebody like me who was, um, to that point has, I, you know, I truly believe I, I just, I did live the most miserable life. Like I was incredibly unhappy, but I felt like I was a happy person living in a very unhappy environment. And it wasn't until that moment had happened that I was like, I have friends. I have, I have real, I have tough friends. Like that was the thing too. I mean, we can all say what we want of, of how we felt when we grew up. But for me, I was the very insecure kid because I was a bit strange and a bit weird. So I didn't really hang with the football friends. I didn't go drinking with anyone. I didn't, I didn't really know where to fit in. And it wasn't until that whole thing had happened that the, I was seeing such a cool group of people who were doing something so cool, like screaming and heavy music and, um, and they're, and they're beating each other up, but then they're still friends after. And then you're wearing the, this merchandise that's, that looks really cool. And you can also say that you don't drink and you don't do drugs and you're actually even cooler than the people who do. And I just like that I became instantly, instantly obsessed with. And that, that just became my life. I went to shows every single chance that I had a, a chance to, um, I finally was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to stick up for myself and I'm going to like, forget about trying to make friends in, in high school. I'm going to, I'm going to drop out of fucking high school. <laughs> so I, I, I dropped out of high school. Um, as soon as I dropped out, um, I had got, I had gotten kicked out of my house. Um, so I started living with some friends. I remember going to St. Mark's place. I got my first piercing, uh, right before a show. I got my septum pierced. Then I just became piercing crazy. I got my whole face covered, <laughs> got my, got my first tattoo at 16 years old. I was on a fucking speed track to like, <laughs> yeah. I like, I found my, I was like, all right, Right. Okay, cool. I need my camo shorts next. I need my new balances. I need to go pick up a come and correct jersey. That's a basketball jersey. I need to go find a bandana. Like I was just getting all geared out in a matter of like two years. My life had just completely changed. I just felt genuinely so happy. I felt, I felt like I had, um, I had friends, I had activities, I had things to do. I had things to look forward to. Um, I felt like I was going, coming into my own person. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, that was like, that was really like, I was like your rebirth. That was, I, to be honest, that was like my birth because yeah. everything before that was, um, I mean, you know, even for like the sake of this call, it's like, it's a lot darker than, than I even describe it. And it's, it's stuff that I don't even choose to really talk about because it's, it's very, it's a very dark, dark place. I, I, you know, I, I touch upon a lot of it in the lyrical content with number 12. Um, there's like elements in there that people are like, Oh man, like that story is so crazy. How'd you come up with it? I was like, oh man, that was, that was my life, man. Like yeah. <laughs> I wish I did come up with it. Um, but it's, you know, it really felt like I didn't really come alive until, until the music scene had, had entered it. And that was honestly, that's, that's the best that from that point on my life was, was, oh, it was on a speed track to, to wellness and just happiness. Right. Right. Well, I, cause I think a lot of it, you, you know, you were essentially just looking for, uh, not only a community, but you know, like we were talking about before a safe place, a place where you felt yeah. like you could, you know, trust your surroundings. You could trust, 
um, you know, l- be able to lean on people. And then, like you yeah. said, you had things to look forward to as opposed to, um, yeah, just being like, well, man, I, I want to get to school because I don't want to be at home. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's it. Yeah. Um, and so, so I guess, were you, were you a sophomore or junior when you dropped out? I had dropped out as a junior. Okay. So that's a June, my junior year. Um, <laughs> and nice. I remember, I remember dropping, I remember not going back to school cause I hated school so fucking much. Um, I remember not going back to school and I remember being like, you know what? Like, we should start, I should, I should like get into being in a band, man. I should, I should start a band. And that was the, the, that was basically where it all started. Like as soon as I dropped out of high school, there was nothing left to sort of, I had nothing else to lose. I was already kicked out of the, the house. Um, I needed to work to make money. So I'm like, well, what the hell does a fucking aspiring hardcore straight edge kid do uh, with his free time? Well, start a band. Same thing every <laughs> same thing every every other straight edge hardcore did uh, kid did. They started a fucking band, um, and yeah, and that, and that was the first the first band I ever started. Is the only band I've ever been in. Number twelve. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Which I. No, for a fact, many people cannot say, so I no. take fucking pride in yeah. that one. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, usually you played like one or two, you know, terrible bands before your first At least. Band. Yeah, at least. At the bare minimum. At least. You, you, you at least start off as a hardcore singer without a band and you consider that a band because you don't have any you don't have anyone who plays any instruments so like <laughs> yeah that's that's you know that's that's a lot of people yeah no no for sure and it, i mean i guess kind of on that same tip like you've always struck me i mean from you know w- when we met and you know observing you from a distance and you know just seeing what you're doing you've always reminded me well not reminded me but you struck me as a hustler which clearly you've had to have been since you were 16 years old and on your own and <laughs> dropping out of high school and stuff like that where um not not only just for the the sheer survival instinct that most humans have like where do you think that i guess kind of hustle comes from because clearly that you know you were sort of the business person behind the band you know clearly you've had to hustle for all of your you know photographic work your directorial work like everything you do creatively is a hustle yeah yeah i um i think we're you know i've thought about that we're it all sort of stems from because I wouldn't say like my mom, she's, you know, she's an all American mom. Now she's obviously a Filipino immigrant, but she's definitely worked to get to where she is. So I'm like, you know, I don't really know if I'm getting it from family, but I feel like because of where I did come from as much as like, I am saying how horrible it was. I also don't think that I would be in the position that I am had I had a much more comfortable upbringing. I think the upbringing was what really, drove me to push myself to get out of it because I think I could have went two directions. I could have went in a direction that was a bit more detrimental to my life, to getting into um, drugs and sort of staying in Jersey City, staying in the hood, just sort of hustling in that sort of way, or try to do something positive and try to be, uh, you know, I was always inspired. I mean, that's that was the biggest thing. Like, I felt like the more I saw things that inspired me, the more it gave me this fuel that like, I'm like, you know what? I, I want to, I want to be inspiring to somebody else. And it just didn't like, I I think that when I first started going to these shows, there was something about seeing people on stage and this energy. It's, it's the, that really 
gets into your core that you can't shake. You, I mean, you know, you're, you're in your band too. And it's like, when you see people doing it, there's this sort of, um, un, there's just the, this, this energy that you can't really put into words that you just, you're just like, oh, I need, I need to be around that all the time. And once I sort of started off with number 12, getting into that, it was really, it was so powerful and it had such a, had such a, it really did have such a power to when you were screaming and you're and you're screaming things that you that are really meaningful and then you're watching people who are going crazy to you screaming and that was like oh my god it was like that was just like crack i was like addicted times 10 and that because i became so addicted i became obsessed and from that obsession i basically just started surrounding myself with from like, you know, 14 or 15, I started just surrounding myself with, okay, uh, I'm going to do this band thing. Okay, here we go. So I learned in the in and outs of how to produce albums, how to record albums, how to, I learned how to do graphic design so that I can figure out how to do uh, album covers so I can do our tour posters. I figured out how to do um, merchandise. I figured out how to get merchandise printed. Uh, and then it just, the hustle just kept going from there from my band and then we started doing really well and we started get going out and playing really good tours. And then other bands who are saying like, Hey, cool, uh, cool artwork, man. Like, where'd you get that? I'm like, Oh, I, I did it. I just sort of figured it out. Like that, that, that's what I did. I, I don't really know how to, you know, explain it other than that. I just sort of figured it out like, Hey, can we, uh, can we pay you to do that for us? And then that started my, my first, um, real, hustle side career outside of the band was I started my own merchandise design company and I started designing merchandise for bands, um, all the bands that we would tour with. So I would do a lot of their artwork. Um, I wound up getting some, uh, some people at Warner Brothers, uh, Matt Young. I don't know if you know Matt Young. Oh yeah, of uh, course. <laughs> so Matt Young, he was, he loved number 12. He's like, Hey man, I'm leaving a uh, band merch and I'm going to be, st- uh, I'm going over to Warner Brothers. Um, I could use a guy like you on my team for design. So then this, you know, doing number 12 do, and then I'm like, okay, cool. So I started design doing freelance design with Matt young, uh, as Warner brothers started off their new merch division. And as I was doing that, I was like, uh, I, I learned, I had sort of learned how to do all of uh, the recording and producing and that started picking up as well. So I would have different bands. We would tour with to be like, Hey, like we'd love to have the singer of number 12 produce our album. So then I'm, producing albums on the side, then doing all of their artwork and then doing the artwork over there and then touring with number 12. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start a record label. <laughs> so yep. I, at 19, 1920, uh, I had me and this guy, John Black, we had started Piermont records and Piermont was, you know, basically like just being that guy that we spoke about earlier is just, you want to support your, your local friends, but also the ones who are really good. You want to really do above and beyond. You really want to go above and beyond for them. So I, well, I was like, yeah, all right, I'm going to sign you. Cause I love you. You're super cool. I'm going to sign you guys. Cause you're like, you're like snap case meets refuse. Like I, I, I believe in you guys, you guys, I'm going to sign you guys because you're like the next saves a day you got. And so we just started signing bands and we would, I would produce the, I would produce the albums with them. We do all the artwork. We put them on tour. Didn't financially work out the best for us, but it was <laughs> sure. a big, it's hard. <laughs> it labels was, are hard. Yeah. Labels are hard. Um, you know, all while I'm doing the number 12 stuff. And then I was like, you know what, man? I was like, I got so much knowledge in this world already. Like, I don't know if the record label industry is where I want to be. So 
I was like, I'm gonna, th- I think I'm gonna manage bands. And so the first band uh, I had picked up was this band Foxy Shazam, and that was the, the that chain that was like the beginning of my pro- like actual professional career as a manager. I picked up Foxy, um, then I picked up another band, Bad Rabbits. Then I was picking up other bands, and that started doing so well to the point like, you know, you fast forward those years, um, we're signing, you know half a million dollar deals to Warner Brothers. We have John Feldman from Goldfinger producing the album. We have another half a million dollars to do the album. We have the biggest agents. We have the biggest tours. Uh, It was just like, holy shit, like what the fuck is happening in my life right now? Like this is, this is, this is going well. Um, And yeah, music, like I just kept wanting to stay in music. Uh, That was like, that was my thing. I just want to be surrounded by it. Eventually I, uh, Piermont got absorbed into crush management. I think, do you know crush? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it got absorbed into crush and then, you know, we, I took on my bands over there. We started doing that whole thing. Um, then I started managing songwriters and producers and yeah, it was, it, the, (laughs) it was just, I think the hustle really just came from just that little spark, um, of what I was doing with number number 12 and just wanting to be just being obsessed with wanting to know how to do everything that surrounded putting music out. Cause I didn't want to just be a guy who wrote lyrics and then screamed it, played a show and then went home. I wanted to be submerged into it. I wanted to, yeah, you wanted to know. know. All the, yeah. You wanted to know all the mechanics behind it. you like, well, why, how does this thing work? Why does this thing work the way it does? Sure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and also I think it's just like, just like any storyteller, you want to have the best context to tell your story. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. It totally makes sense. And so, and it's funny too, because I'm guessing that, you know, like as you were starting to experience all these different sides of the business from, you know, you touring and, you know, putting together all the merch and like, you know, all those steps that you just outlined. Um, I, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, even though it is totally steeped in the business side of music, you enjoyed it, but you know, so many people kind of have a, uh, reticence to jump in and kind of like care about the business of the music because they feel like it's, you know, uh, whatever evil or, you know, it's like, it's going to corrupt yeah. the art and stuff like that. You, obvi- <laughs> you obviously, you know, were able to balance those two. Did you ever have those kind of thoughts of like, Oh, I, I, I guess I am doing the business of music, but I'm not thinking about it that way. Or, uh, I think it was just more, I, I think people let their guard down when they saw me entering the quote unquote business side of it, because I was a touring artist and I had done, over a thousand shows at that point anyways. So I don't think people were seeing me as like, Oh man, like he's, he's like the big, he's a big record. He's a big suit guy. He's the guy who's going to come and like take my money. You know, he's going to like take like 70 points off the album. I'm like, guys, like there's a way that we can all win and succeed if we do this the right way and equally. And that was what, I mean, that's, that's my model to this day is like, you always want to give people, uh, you know, equal skin in the game. Cause if it's not equal, then, then one person could fall behind. Like you want everyone to be in it for the same reason, for the same thing. Like if I'm doing work, I want someone doing the same work, but we're splitting it evenly. And that's, that's just the best way to do, go about any business in my opinion. Sure. Yeah, of course. You want everyone to be equally invested in some capacity, whether or not, you know, it's something that they, you know, are literally 50, 50 partners or it's just like, well, no, it's like if you're working hard and I'm working hard, we're probably going to be able to achieve more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that back then, you know, it like there's a lot of uh, there was that there was those myths going around that, uh, you know, you signed to this record label like, uh, 
you know, <laughs> and you're going to get screwed over. I mean, I definitely know of some stories that that did happen. I won't say the labels, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think there are definitely bad instances that have happened that put a lot of bad uh, taste in people's mouths. But, um, yeah, I, I think that someone needs to sort of step in and show like, look, there could be a good artist friendly person who's working out there. I mean, even for Foxy Shazam, uh, the, the percentage that I was taking from them as a manager, they didn't make money for so many years until I finally made my first cut. And I'm like, Whoa, I got like a hundred bucks. What the hell am I supposed to, what the hell am I supposed to do with this shit? Totally. <laughs> like it, it didn't make sense to make money from it, but I knew that when the payoff came, it would, we would, we would all share. And so, yeah, it, it's like, it, I sort of went out of just differently than other people. They would be like, Oh, the first year they didn't make any money. Fuck this. I'm out of here. I'm like three years deep. I'm like, I think we're going to make money this year, guys. Let's see. <laughs> right. Right. No, that's, that's funny. Um, <laughs> and so then, you know, like as thing, cause you know, you, it seems like you, you know, were able to kind of, you know, flow in and out of the idea of, you know, being in an active touring band versus, you know, not being in an active touring band. Um, you know, but some people have difficulty with those transitions either because it's, um, you know, giving like they feel like they're giving up one part of their life or whatever or yeah. the ego that's attached to it. Um, you know, did you have to kind of, uh, I guess, go through any of those motions to, you know, uh, you know, go to your next step? <clears throat> um, well, when number 12 broke up in 2010, I believe it is. Um, yeah, it that was, that was, that was hard. It was, it was hard because we had been doing the band for 10 years at that point and I was still managing bands. So of course I would be lying if I said that, you know, I'd go on tour with Foxy Shazam and they'd be opening for, you know, hole or something, some crazy big tour. And that I didn't get sort of, you know, um, that jealous feeling of just, Oh God, like I'm missing out on, being on stage, I I can do that. I, I, if I was doing, you know, if I was up there right now, I'd be doing it like this. And, oh, if I was selling merchandise, uh, I would be selling like this. Like, of course, that that's always going to be a conflict. I think, especially when you started off in a band at such an early age and it was going so well, but you just had differences with the band and you just had to stop. I think that it's just always going to be that itch you, you, you want to scratch. Um, I don't think, I mean, for me, I don't think that really ever went away. Um, but at the same time, I did need to know what it felt like to live a life outside of a van. Cause you know, it's like, sure. the, that was, that was the tough thing is, bands just lit like back then i'm not being old man jesse but i will say back then for us we did we did have to tour all around on the clock to try to get our name out there because it was just harder it was harder to get the name out there versus now so we did spend 10 months out of the year sometimes to just tour and it just fucks with your head like crazy man um especially when you're living your like early 20 like I went from my teens into my 20s, my early adulthood life, and I come back home. I have no, um, I have no friends. Um, I barely have a, you know, bedroom to sleep in, and I have nowhere to go because 
because I don't know who to hang out with. Um, that just it just sort of messes with you in, in your head as far as like wanting to come home to a foundation. Um, my foundation was my bench seat in the van. Like sure. that's where I felt the most at home. I was like, oh, I'm around my band, my brothers. And I had more friends in fucking like California and like <laughs> right, right. By, by like the showcase theater than I do here in Jersey. You know, it's like that was alarming to me and I'm like I'm not going to be doing this band forever and I really do miss like I, I see my family all the time because I'm very very close with my family but it was hard to just not have anything else so that that was you know that that was enough for me to be like you know what missing playing in a band it, it sucks but having no life to go back to where my family, my friends, everything was all in Jersey. And now we've all went our own ways because, you know, number 12 was my life and that was it. And so, yeah, that, that, that was enough, um, drive for me to like quit the band and just like buckle down here. Yeah, sure. No, it makes sense. Cause I, you, you know, when you're in the motion, the perpetual motion machine of, you know, touring and hustling and trying to make that happen, you're really not thinking about the sacrifices that you are making. Um, Absolutely. Until all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, like these people's lives have continued to build and move on. <laughs> right. Where it's like, yeah. yeah, I've just been doing the, you know, yeah, cool. I played, you know, Omaha three times this year. But like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, yeah. And you have friends there and cool shows or whatever. But yeah, there, there's that sacrifice, that push and pull. Yeah, it's so funny. That's a, you're, what you said is like, that's exactly like the 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 mentality. I always say, I'm like, cool. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I, I came home for Christmas and I didn't get to see any friends. But you know what was cool? Playing Louisville, Kentucky, about seven times this year. That was cool. Like, <laughs> totally, crush totally. those shows. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Um, and so you know, like I, I, like you said, as you stepped away from the band, you started to you know plant your roots more firmly in you know where you grew up and start to you know think about your next steps like you know clearly you've always been a visual person and you know transitioning into you know your professional photo work and stuff like that um you know and then you know what you're doing now as far as like directing films and kind of having all of that experience behind you and currently with you do you um I guess do you approach each of these sort of disciplines in kind of the same way that, you know, you approached your obsession with music or is it, do you feel like it's different? Um, no, it's, it's about the same feeling. Um, it's, it's each time it's about the same feeling of that, that, that first time walking into a 25 to life show and seeing something that you're like, so this is what happens after all those times, like, you hear something on a CD, like this is what they're actually doing. It's almost that exact same feeling when you walk, uh, for me, when I, after, after all of leaving the music industry and going head on to the photography world, it's almost that same feeling when I walked onto set and I'm, you know, we're shooting project runway with, um, my, the guy who taught me everything I know, Joey L and he's like, and I'm seeing all these models and I'm seeing all these celebrities and there's, you know, hair and makeup people who are just running around, touching up everybody. And then there's lights, uh, just doing all these things. I, it was just like, Holy shit. Like, this is how these promos are made. These, this is like, this is how billboards are made. And I just became again, obsessed with the art of it. I'm like, this is insane. And not to mention the amount of money I was 
looking at from the the music world versus the photography world, it was night and day. It was actual money. Now it wasn't just this like, Oh, I'm a teenager. Like I can live off of $15 per diems each day. Like I fucking stretch that shit at Chipotle Chipotle, and then McDonald's, man. Like, of course I got this, but now it's like, you know, you're a bit more of an adult and you're like, I I actually need money guys. Like I'm kind of broke. And this photography thing just, just, it was just like, Holy shit. And then same thing into the film world. Like, My first thing that how I even got involved in the film world was the producer wanted to hire me as the set photographer, the, this guy, Jordan Levine. And he was like, you know what? Like, I can't really afford you, uh, as, as a photographer, um, per day, but how about like you hook me up and then we'll, we'll, we'll work on something together in the future. One of your ideas. I'm like, you know what? Hell yeah. So I did the first couple films, uh, as a photographer and I did it for super cheap, but I started watching how all these movies were made and it was blowing my mind. I'm like, whoa, like that's how they shoot a scene. And oh man, those actors, like how do they start crying? Like just like that out of nowhere. And again, that same obsession of just like, I became obsessed with it. So I started talking to people, asking questions, figuring out how to climb the ladder. And, and yeah, now it's like, I'm about 17 movies deep and it's kind of crazy because <laughs> like I I'm like wow I'm actually like I still don't even think about the fact that I'm a producer in film but I I am and it's like this is this is my livelihood this is what I do but it really was that like just that that obsessive connection that I have to creating something new and I think the the biggest tie to all of it from the music to the photography to the film is just, it's all storytelling. And I think I've just been addicted to telling stories for, for as long as I can remember. And these are just different avenues of telling those stories. Sure. No, absolutely. And I I don't, I mean, it's why the creative, um, you know, pool of, uh, things, whether it's, you know, art in general, movies, music, whatever it, you know, the, the kinship there is, uh, you know, it's one-to-one it's like people (laughs) and there are so many different forms of expression in that. But, you know, when you sit down with another person who has that sort of creative mindset, um, you know, there's already so much to not only speak about, but then learn from. And then you said to be able to kind of build on that, but yeah, so, but it makes sense. It's just the, like you said, the storytelling in different mediums. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And and I think that a lot of musicians I'm, I'm discovering now, there's so many people who I'm reconnecting with after all of these years who are all in, in the film world. And I'm like, holy shit, what are you doing here? And they're like, I'm composing movies now. What about you? I'm like, I'm producing movie. And there's, it really is cool. There's people from like, you know, the dude from Atreyu who is a, he's a cinematographer, a beautiful cinematographer, um, dude from Juliana Theory. Uh, I've hired him for our big horror movies. Uh, ben from Armor for Sleep. He's writing movies. Like, it's it's so cool to see these people wanting to express those those outlets on on, on these platforms. It's it's such a because to me it seems so seamless, uh, and it and it seems that way for others too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, the last thing I want to hit on before I let you go was the, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, cause you play with number 12, you played that your re or your, I guess your secret comeback show was like 2015, 2016 somewhere. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and so, you know, when you got that together and then, you know, you kind of experienced that again and then, you know, clearly, um, you know, did more touring, putting out a new record, that sort of stuff. Um, did it feel, um, I guess the, the same, did it feel different? Like how did it kind of sit as you started to put that back together? <laughs> 
Yeah, <clears throat> that was one of the. Uh, I remember I had I had gotten asked that similar question. Um, how did it feel to like come back? Did it feel like you picked up where you left off? Did it feel like a, a completely different beast? But I will say, I think that that feeling of coming back and doing that secret show, it was it that was a rebirth uh, to, because it was everything that I had experienced in number 12 uh, through all those years, through everything that I experienced after number 12, I, I realized and all these different life experiences that I've had through um, photography and meeting all these different uh, people and just, just learning so much about uh, human characteristics in life. I realized that I, I truly did not have nearly as much appreciation for what number 12 went through in those beginning years. I was, um, I think I was just young. I, I, I don't think I was able to understand and have the real appreciation that I should have for number 12 when it first started. The fact that like the first, you know, tour we ever did to the West coast, all the California shows are sold out. Like I I'm like, Oh, that's cool. But like now <laughs> that's not normal. You know, as I got older, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, holy shit, I should have appreciated that so much more because that doesn't happen anymore. And I, as I got onto stage and I played that show and there was like, it was a super secret show. No one should have even known about it. But like that feeling of my sort of new, um, you know, another, another huge stage in my life, another new chapter in my life. I feel so appreciative and understanding. And it's, it's almost like I was, um, uh, it's almost like I had blurry vision those early years and I needed to get glasses. And now I have, I can see super clearly and understand everything. And when I played that show, the, the sense of the, the sense of pride and the, the feeling of joy, the, 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 the amount of appreciation that I had for the people that were there who fucking drove from like Detroit and the South to come to like this tiny bar in upstate New York to just see this, like what might not even have been a number 12 show. They had no idea. They were just going on a win. There was no real announcement. I was just like, Oh my God, I, I, I am so grateful for what number 12 has done in my life. And I, I will never, ever, ever forget it. And I will, and I will appreciate this so much more now that we're back together. And it's so funny. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you painted that picture like that because it, it, it's so, you know, they, oh, I, I can't remember where the saying is derived from, but like, you know, youth is wasted on the young. And it's one of those, <laughs> right. It's yeah. one of those things where it's like clearly, yeah. you know, it's exciting. You know, when you're young, you're dumb, and you're, you know, making all of these, you know, ridiculous moves, and you don't think about it. It's just all instinct. And then, yeah, when you get to an age where you can like look and like actually, you know, pause for a moment and you know be thoughtful and contemplative, <laughs> that you're just like damn it. Like I wish that I was able to have like both of those things at the same time. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Right. Cause like it, that, that's such a great saying. Like that, that really is so true. It really is so true. And it's not until you get to, you know, whatever eight, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now and you really, really, you really do come back around to a lot of things that if you had any of that stuff happening earlier in your years, you come back to it, man. And you, you come back with a lot of thoughts to it. A lot of, um, things that you might've been like, you know what, I should have been a better person for this. Or, you know what, like I really didn't show appreciation to this person who really gave it all for them. Like you really do come back around to it and it's never too late to, to make that wrong. Right. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And to, I mean, uh, the biggest thing is just perspective. You, you have it, you know, when you were older because you're able to weigh it against other experiences and stuff like that. Yes. Uh, but like you said, it's never, you know, and I think, and I'm sure you noticed this too, the, uh, the saddest thing that you see, um, you know, people kind of go through whether or not they're able to, you know, pursue their creative, um, you know, drive beyond, um, you know, the, the job that they have or whatever. It's like the people that kind of give up on that. And it's not to say that it's just like, Oh, like, you know, you can find time on the weekends or after work or whatever, like, you know, no matter what it is you're interested in, you don't have to like give it up because other things are taking up the space. You just have to try to find and make the space, but that obviously takes effort and work and, you know, it's not easy, but that's, that's what hurts where you're like, Oh damn, dude, you don't need to give that up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know. It, but it's it's unfortunately it's hard to it's a lot easier said than done. You know, some people are, it, like we can sit here because, you know, we've both lived quite unique, creative lives. But some people in my local town to say like, hey, man, you know what? Uh, you, you can go out and just start, uh, you know, um, becoming a you know commercial photographer, even though you've just been working uh, as an accountant the whole time. Uh, obviously, we get like there's a bit more. We've had a different trajectory from the from the get go. But at the same time, it's like it's also like, you know, what, man, like we're getting we're getting older. And that's why I even getting back into number 12, I'm like, I'm getting old, man, J- you know, going up on stage and screaming for an hour and 15 minutes and, you know, putting my body through all that. Like, I'm not going to be bouncing back like I used to. So no. it's now or n- it's now or never. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you might as well might as well uh, suck that experience uh, as much as you can before. It's just like, oh, dude, I can't be 45 <laughs> and doing this. This is ridiculous. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I oh dude I always think about it. I'm like you know what I wonder if because I, I even back then I'm like I wonder if I'm ever going to be that guy who's like you know in their 30s and being like oh I'm still screaming here I am 36 I'm like oh yeah fuck yeah number 12 playing that show <laughs> I'm totally that fucking guy yeah dude I'm, to- I'm totally that uh, the the last thing I wanted to, to ask just because like you mentioned earlier you know you're you're still straight edge and um you know I once you are you know a straight edge adult it's funny because you clearly don't need to like self-identify as that because <laughs> right, like, yeah. you know, it's not important to civilians. Um, That's right. But what, you know, how do people interact with you when you kind of put that out there where it's just like, you know, cause clearly the world drinks. And so they're always offering, Oh, I come to the bar, come to happy hour or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, how do like, do people just assume it's like, Oh, you're a recovering alcoholic or you're super religious. Oh dude, it, it happens. It, it will happen every week for the, for the rest of my life. And for my, like it happens at least once a week, every week for the, for my whole life. Um, especially being a number 12. I mean, you could only imagine the fucking people think that, I mean, we have people coming to our shows with like LSD being like, Hey man, I know you probably use a lot of this stuff when you're writing. So here's some extra stuff or, Hey man, I got a bag of weed for you. Cause I know how fucking high you get. I'm like, yeah, I'm not the guy, man. Like, I know it might seem like I'm, yeah. I'm weird, but I don't, I don't need to be actually high. Like I can be high on life. You know, that's, that, uh, that does exist. And I think that for people who sort of know me at this point, um, or don't know me, um, they see that I truly am just, I have so much energy. I truly am high on life and not, and not in a hippie way, but I just, I do, I do live that way. And it's still funny to this day to like go to the bars and stuff like that. And people are just like, Oh, like you don't drink, man. People are more impressed at 
the age that because before at like 22 21 they're like yeah. i'm like oh I, I don't drink they're like <laughs> yeah see you next week here totally. man, or else. <laughs> yeah see and, see and what's so, yeah what, once you've experienced a real tragedy in your life kid <laughs> Uh, exactly yeah exactly you know what like when you find that right beer it's all gonna change man <laughs> but like truly like uh, people are are more impressed now that i've went 36 years without still ever having alcohol or sm- literally nothing i mean that the strongest thing i've ever had was a painkiller because i had my wisdom teeth out but like i literally have still never had anything people are more impressed about it and so that to me is is even more drive to keep going not that i've ever had any temptations guys just it's not it's yeah. it's neither here nor there for me but it's even more motivation to be like you know what like people really find it so respectable to be at this age and not succumb to um you know, drinking or just a way of, of sort of diverting something they don't want to think about in by doing something else. And people are like, you know what, like, that's really crazy. I've never met anyone like that. And that's, that's cool. That, that to me is enough to be like, you know what? Yeah, it is fucking cool to be straight edge. Yeah, (laughs) Same. Yeah. I, I completely empathize with that. And it's, it is funny when you, do reflect on it it's just like oh like oh yeah that is you know that is really uncommon <laughs> so it yeah. really is uncommon and you know i know you're because you're still straight edge i am um and and there's like i can i can only name about the uh, people on i can only name about the amount of people on one hand who i know are still straight edge it's it's <laughs> totally. it's you uh ben wyman from dillinger who <laughs> me and him still talk about that yep. um there's me um anyone else <laughs> yeah there's no there, yeah it's, it's definitely diminishing returns yeah i definitely know it's like yeah i mean going to a straight edge hardcore show and finding the adults like it's like oh yeah you can still find some but yeah there's definitely um yeah it's a it's not a not a common thing but uh, yeah it's hey, not a common thing but still, you know we're, we're still holding the edge high we're still <laughs> that's right I'm, I'm still carrying the torch man straight edge adults everybody, everybody who is uh you know velcro to the x falling up and not me man i'm still up there <laughs> velcro to the x i love that i love that <laughs> Well, Jesse, this has been so much fun. Thanks for hanging out, dude. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Of course. And dude, it was fucking great catching up on all these memories. It's it's such a good uh it's such a good it's such a good time in my life. And yeah, I love I love the chance of reliving it all. Great, great discussion. I just love that so much. Thank you very much, Jesse. It was uh yeah, not only was it a trip down memory lane, but it was nice to reconnect with an old friend who I hadn't spoken with in quite some time. But that's what we got next week. We have, oh man, I'm so excited about this chat. This actually took like, I don't know, maybe about three or four months to set up and we finally were able to do it. Uh, Nick DeSalvo from Elder. I Elder is one of my favorite bands around right now. They do the whole sort of stoner, prog, metal, whatever you want to call it. It's just incredible. I got a chance to see them, gosh, maybe a year and a half or so ago. They played the Roxy here in Los Angeles and uh, such a good band. And so, uh, yeah, Nick was uh, gracious enough to uh, spend some time with me on Skype. He's uh, based in Germany, and we actually were talking maybe about two or three weeks into the pandemic. So we don't talk anything really about that um, off mic we do. But, um, yeah, that's just uh, that's what we got next week. So until then, as always, please be safe, everybody.